This athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all the games. The Bet365 Bet Builder will allow you to make personalized bets via the app, so you can go on and bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello listener, I'm Carl Anker and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week we'll be discussing Manchester United's last dance in Linsk, how coronavirus has affected life at Old Trafford and at Carrington, Pogba's possible return and maybe even a new contract, and we will be starting a new feature that takes us back to the greatest season in the history of football, 1998-1999. As ever, I'm joined by The Athletic's Manchester United writer Laurie Well, Laurie, how you doing? Hey Carl, you're good. I'm good, I'm good. It's a strange time. Is it not? Mm, very strange, yeah. Locked mm. up at home, uh, working remotely. Um, yeah, curious. I mean, we just do that normally, actually. So. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's not too much difference, apart from lack of matches. I know. Uh, also with us, as usual, is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to The Athletic, Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you doing? Okay, locked up at home. Uh, kids are off school, uh, told that I cannot leave the house. Busy with work. Very, very strange times. I've never known anything like this. Yes, so for those that don't know, Andy, you're based in Spain, are you not? Yeah, I'm obviously from Manchester and I divide my time between Barcelona and Manchester. So I go back and forward throughout the football season. So I think I did eight different trips in up until last week in, in Austria in the previous month. Um, but my, my wife and kids are in Barcelona. So I think I should be with them more than anybody else at the moment. And I went to Austria for the, the last game last Thursday morning and everything was quite calm and I only stayed in Austria for one night and by the time I, I came back to Spain uh, I flew into a country which had just declared a state of emergency I've never known that before and the, the circumstances are just as I explained it's uh, no one knows how long it's going to last for. It's been an unprecedented week on and off the field for everyone due to the spread of coronavirus. Laurie, Manchester United have cancelled training for obvious reasons is that correct? Yeah, so um, they actually were due to be back in full-time training uh, today, Tuesday. Um, they had the weekend off after the game, obviously, was cancelled. Um, they were free to do what they liked. I think a few players did go into Carrington just to kind of keep ticking over, um, but it wasn't sort of um, stipulated that they had to do that. Uh, but they, yeah, they were due to have first-team training and then uh, Boris Johnson's statement on Monday evening changed all that. You know, the government uh, advice to stay away from large crowds and, uh, you know, to not go into restaurants, that kind of thing. Um, so United have taken it on board and have decided that training should therefore be postponed in, in that in that way. So um, they've all been sent home with, or they've stayed at home rather, with uh, personal fitness sessions. Um, obviously, a few of them have got gyms, um, you know, a decent-sized garden. So you'd think that they could... You Know, maintain fitness to to a decent degree, but clearly it's um it's yeah crazy times really. Um, they uh, are taking it on a sort of day by day basis. Um, the sort of the latest uh, briefing from the club was that um they basically were reacting to uh, the government advice um, from last night. It's evolving situation and the situation is constantly under review. So we'll see. I mean, it, it seems to be clear that you know with the situation only increasing in terms of the kind of lockdown that I imagine this will be the case for, for the foreseeable, but it's difficult to say exactly how long. 
It has been quite the sight to go through Instagram and see a number of Premier League football players having to go on exercise bikes, working on ab rollers, uh, doing home yoga, trying to bring some levity to what is increasingly a serious scenario. Andy, I want to talk to you a little bit because you were in Austria, as you mentioned, with Laurie watching Manchester United win behind closed doors in the Europa League. What was that game like? It was it was weird. It was surreal. It wasn't the occasion it should have been. This should have been the biggest game in Lask's history. Uh, they lost out financially, a million euros, but it, it, they lost out in so many more ways than that. And I felt sorry for them. Manchester United's players went out and did exactly what they were asked to do. They won 5-0, they scored great goals. Igolo's goal was incredible. But Lask, as well as being without three of their main players and playing other players out of position, they, 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 they really suffered from it. They were always going to be at a disadvantage because the second leg was at Old Trafford and at the time of the game, we thought the the second leg would be at Old Trafford played in front of a crowd. Who knows when that's going to be played again now. I'd say around 200 fans went to Austria. I bumped into loads of them. I spoke to loads of them. Uh, some stayed in Vienna. Some carried on the extra two hours to Linz. Uh, they'd never been there before. It's a decent-looking city on the banks of the River Danube. And some tried to get in. The best that most got was standing behind the home end. They could see the pitch through sort of corrugated steel gates. A few jibbers jumped over and got in, and then they were chased out the ground by no less than 17 security officials, <laughs> which I thought was really heavy, heavy-handed. And the performance was good. The, the good run continued. They're now 11 unbeaten. Uh, they've won eight, drawn three, and scored the scoring for fun now, which is all encouraging and... They were going into the game against Tottenham in in really good shape, and then then it all just stopped. You know, Thursday night, Laurie and I uh, we we asked Ollie Gunner questions after the game, and we thought probably that we were going to Tottenham. And then by Friday, the games had been postponed. I bumped into United fans uh, at Vienna Airport. Their flight had just been cancelled because they were going to fly back from Bratislava. You know what fans are like; they don't want to go the straight and obvious route when you can go to another city and try a few beers. And their mood was totally different because a day earlier, United had given them all £350 in compensation, which they were all delighted about. Their biggest issue was trying to make sure their wives didn't find out so they could just <laughs> spend it on what, whatever they wanted. So I enjoyed my trip to Austria, but by the end of it, uh, I, I was worried whether my flight was going to be on, whether I could get back to my family and the things which are more, far more important than football were starting to take over. I always love hearing your travel tales, Andy, but I'm going to ask you this one. What's a jibber? A jibber? All right. Now, maybe this is a, a Mancunian-ism. Uh, it's somebody who, to pay is to fail, is, is their slogan. And there used to be a group of uh, lads in the 1980s called the ICJ, the Intercity Jibbers, and they wouldn't necessarily always travel to away games with valid tickets. And when they saw the guards coming on the train, they would uh, duck and dive and jib uh, to avoid paying the correct uh, rail fare. And that was a culture among Mancunians and, and Liverpoolians uh, as well. And Two of the jibbers tried to jib over the fence in in Linsk to see the game. And among people I know, certain people, that, that would be seen as a positive that they'd 
they'd made the effort to try and do it, that you know, those actions would be encouraged. Authority is not always respected. And uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's what a jibber is. Now, I know some jibbers who would get where water wouldn't get. They would turn <laughs> up, you know. You go in, some of the stories from the 80s where people would be sat on a plane to Turin to watch United and a, fair, a pair of feet would poke out on the seat behind and they jibbed onto a plane without a ticket. Some of the stories are legendary. Maybe we can talk about some of them in the future. There you are. Every day is a school day on Talk of the Devils. One more reason to subscribe. <laughs> At time of recording, we don't completely know what's going to happen to the world of football. I'd like subscribers. There's an excellent article from Matthew Slater that sort of outlines what happens to the Premier League season next and possibly the Euros. At time of recording, this is a Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this. We don't entirely know what's going to happen with UEFA in terms of the Europa League and Euro 2020. The meeting's currently going on the way as we're in our magical podcast studio. The Norwegian FA believes the Euros will take place in 2021 from 11th of June, which I think will have some very, very interesting impact on the Olympics and, well, the Premier League season. Um, gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Laurie. What would you like to see happen? I think that is the most sensible thing that the Euros is postponed a year because at least then you've got space for all of the European leagues to have a little bit of a, a think and try and get these current seasons finished because um, speaking to people in the in the game, uh, football administrators uh, last week that I was, I was speaking to were saying that if they don't actually finish the seasons, then they could be in breach of broadcast contracts, which uh, obviously were worth hundreds of millions of pounds. So um, whilst obviously that's not the prime for for people, you know, going about their daily routine, um, you know, in life and, and health is more important. But um, in terms of just practicalities of, of football and the calendar, I think that's the most sensible thing to give it a bit of space in the summer so that they can play some more fixtures then. And there might again be more more clashes behind, more matches behind closed doors. I know me and Andy both were in Lintz and, and, and didn't like that atmosphere, didn't like the fact that you know you didn't have vociferous um, crowd support on either side. But I just think that these are unprecedented times, and uh, if it means that they can actually complete seasons and, and, and sort out, you know promotion relegation you know qualification for for champions leagues or even title winners dare we say it with liverpool i think that's the most um the fairest thing and you know probably the most legally um sound thing to do as well um so yeah it, it, it that's kind of what i was i was hoping to do i mean i was going to go and cover wales at the euros uh, this summer um and uh, those plans are obviously all on hold so it, it means that um, it's not ideal, but you know that's just the way things have happened. So I think that yeah, the, the, what what the Norwegian FA are saying, what all the sounds are that they're going to postpone it, makes no sense to me. Interesting times in football, especially with one particular returning football player. It's that man once again, Paul Pogba. He recently turned twenty-seven years of age. Happy birthday, La Pinoche! I believe that's how you say it. The pickaxe. Um, Paul Pogba was expected to return to training this week. This week being Tuesday. And there was also talk of him signing a brand new contract. Laurie, you've written a very interesting piece in The Athletic about this now, haven't you? Yeah, so um, the main thrust of my piece was that he was going to return to training on Tuesday, which obviously <laughs> hasn't actually come to pass because uh, training was cancelled, but he, he would have done. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and the way that he's been working with Michael Carrick, uh, doing some um, ball work, um, individual sessions, staying for sort of 30 minutes after the rest of the team have gone in, um, been putting in some real graft, I'm, I'm told. So he clearly was in a much more positive um, mind frame to get back into a team. You know, you can be cynical about him and 
go well. He's got Bruno Fernandes there to play alongside now, and also um, the, you know the team on a, a brilliant unbeaten run. So you know clearly there was there was a context to it all, but the mood music around him was perhaps a more um, positive um, sort of sound than it was previously when it looked like you know the summer would just be the end of him at United. So. Um, yeah, and then there's been you know, reports that he would be open to signing a new contract given everything that's going on. So I sort of picked up on that and spoke to a few people and, and, and they kind of got a similar kind of vibe. Now, obviously, that's from his point of view. United um, have previously gone to him and, and last summer and, and sort of looked at uh, you know opening talks and, and they were kind of quickly shelved given his approach or what Mina Rola uh, conveyed as his approach. So um, so they, they've kind of left things as they are. You know, there's, he's got a, well, he's got a, a contract extension that they will trigger if they haven't already um, to take him um, up to 2022. So he's got two years left on his contract come the summer. So there's not a, a massive imperative to do something straight away, although obviously they would like a resolution one way or the other. Now, obviously, in the context of everything else that's going on in society, we just don't know what that will mean. You know, I don't think there'll be any contract talks until everything is resolved um, with um, the current situation with coronavirus and also where United will be, because clearly Champions League qualification is a, is a major um, aspect to it all. Um, you might have a look at it and go, well, United should really be wanting to sell him given he's made his opinions pretty clear through his agent. Um, and obviously last summer talking about a new challenge. So, and does he really fit into this team now that Solskjaer's got where you've got a, a group of players that are all collectively together that are um, clearly, you know, uh, of a mindset to, to work hard and to graft and to um, bounce off each other. They've got a really good spirit around them at the moment. I think, but skill-wise, Pogba would enhance that even more. And you're thinking, wow, what a midfield that could be uh, with Bruno there as well. Um, but yeah, so lots to consider. But, you know, certainly it's it's not beyond the realms. I think, you know, it looked like it was going to be a certainty that he was going to leave in the summer. Um, although there are you know, still some suggestions that a deal with Real Madrid is, is, is there to be done. Um, I think it's not quite cut and dry as it once was. Andy, let me get your thoughts. Is this a case of winning being the best cure? Or do you think this current good run gives Edward Wood a slightly stronger hand in negotiations in the summer? It does. And Paul Pogba watching a, a winning team playing good football will maybe make him think the grass isn't always greener. He has made it clear that he's wanted to go. And that's not been a good thing because everyone in the dressing room has known that. And he's a big influence. He's the main man in the dressing room. Or he has been until the last couple of months and players, especially Anthony Martial, they, they really look up to Paul Pogba. Uh, I think the current political events and the, the economic and the health situation hardly strengthens Barcelona or Real Madrid's case for spending a lot of money. Uh, financially, they were both, they both faced um, pretty pressing issues that maybe the Spanish media haven't covered as with as much scrutiny as Manchester United might have hoped. Uh, and I think that the number of suitors for Pogba, one who's a player who's not been playing, uh, his stock has fallen and his stock has really fallen among United fans. It's probably lower than it's ever been. And there are, there are now a mainstream of people who say, get rid of him, we can be, we can be fine without him. But that can change quickly. And the best example is Wayne Rooney, 2013, he also wanted to go. And I can remember on the 6th of August 2013 doing radio interviews, I couldn't find a single United fan who wanted Rooney to stay at Old Trafford. Two weeks later, Swansea, first game of the season, half the United end were singing his name. 
and, he, and that surprised him. And when Rooney came on and he played well and he was the best player that season by a mile, the fans quickly changed the tune. They want to see something back from Pogba. As Laurie said, the idea of Pogba, Fernandes and one other in midfield, that actually excites me because Fernandes has been brilliant. But if I, if I had to, to, to pick out any faults, it's that when City and Everton were dominant against United, as they were for spells of the recent games, he wasn't as effective. He needed somebody else with him. He needed somebody to win the ball, to get the ball to him so that he could do the damage. He could link midfield and attack, which he does so well and... Pogba's got the quickest feet of anybody at that club and even now I'd love to see him become a successful Manchester United player and United wasn't the dream that he was sold in 2016 but it's looking like it could be now. It's been a really good six to seven weeks for Manchester United and a fit Pogba could really enhance that team but I think the the dynamic has shifted towards United's favour in the last couple of weeks and I just don't see a long list of suitors who would pay him what him and especially his agent wants. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing wants and needs. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from a selection of over 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. What's next is you try on everything at home. Style it with other items in your wardrobe, and then you simply pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, it's try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free for both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. So to get started with Stitch Fix today and to support our podcast, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash theathletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Manchester United fans, we've got a special treat for you over on The Athletic at the moment. With the football season currently suspended, our bosses have decided that we're going to follow a season in real time from this point to the end. They could have chosen any season in all of God's green earth and creation, and yet they've decided to choose the greatest footballing season of all time. 1998-1999, Manchester United win the treble. When Man United were good again, really good. Blimey hell. March 99, I'm going to bring all the way back. March 99 was a very, very curious time. I'm not going to tell you how old I was at the time, but I'll let you know. Boys Zone were number one in the charts. People were flocking to cinema to watch Patch Adams and Manchester City were playing in something that, according to my notes here, was called Division 2. Seems weird. Um, up on our website at the moment, we've got a scene set from Michael Walker to explain a little bit more about the culture and vibe of March 1999. Michael Cox, the most tactically intelligent man I've ever met in my life, will be explaining Alex Ferguson's innovations from one game against Inter Milan in that week. Andy, I'm not going to tell you how old I was in March 1999. What were you doing at the time? I was in Milan going absolutely mental when Manchester United had gone through to reach <laughs> the semi-final of the, of the European Cup. Um, they'd been there before, but the, the first leg was, um, was at Old Trafford uh, against Inter. United won 2-0. Two brilliant crosses from David Beckham and... It was it was the big time. It was you know, Ronaldo played for for Inter, and I think United were confused as to or uncertain whether as whether he was going to play or not. 
And United won that first leg 2-0 and then went to Italy and got the draw. They got a one all draw. It was an incredible result. I think there were five or 6,000 United fans there. It wasn't... There were 10,000 United fans for one game in the San Siro against AC Milan, but they, they didn't win that one. But Paul Scholes got, got an equaliser after right near the end and everyone just went absolutely mental. It was great. My, my, my feeling now looking back at it without looking into the specifics was I felt that something was really stirring in Europe that year. I felt that United had come from a very tough group with Bayern Munich and Barcelona, and now they've knocked out into Milan. I thought something special could happen here because they've come close. They got to the semi-finals in in '97 and were pretty un, unlucky against Borussia Dortmund. And knocking out Inter, I just hope that they perhaps avoid Juventus in the semi-final because Juventus were the best team in the world, and they didn't. I don't know what you lads can remember. How old were you, Laurie? What can you remember of it? I was 12, Andy. I was, uh, yeah, I was actually there. So I was at home game. So this is just when I, I timed it just right, you know, to, to the arc for glory hunting was, was perfect because uh, my dad took me to matches 95, 96 season and then 96, 97, I was at that Dortmund game. And I just remember um, singing about winning the football league again, uh, this time on Merseyside, wasn't it, that one? So, and the atmosphere in the Porto game as well with the flares going off. And it had a, Europe had a special quality still at that point for me. I mean, I don't know if it was my age or whether it was just the fact that United were genuinely pretty new, you know, to, you know, re- re-involvement in Europe. But, um, but yeah, I remember that game. Uh, Zamorano is the thing that stands out for me the the header then Schmeichel doing the star jump save um, and I, I watched it back on YouTube just, just before to kind of refresh my mind and it still amazes me they didn't score then but uh, yeah I wasn't as lucky as you and going to Milan I think I watched that with my mates on TV um, but you could tell something Did your dad go Laurie? Cause you, no not, not, but not Did your dad but go no, to Milan? Because he went to games didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he went to. Um, he started going to properly to away games uh, when the first his first proper away game was before, like after he'd, he'd watched him in the seventies, basically, and then kind of gone away from it a bit. And then when we were kids, he, he started going with us. So um, he went to the uh, the White Hart Lane game when they were three 0 down and came back and won five three. So that was his first sort of proper one back in in that time. And thought, right, I'll, I'll keep going. Nice. So he went, he went to we went to Rome together for the final in two thousand nine. Obviously lost and went to the new camp in ninety nine. But we'll perhaps get onto that in future weeks if we if we still have the suspension because we've got a good, I've got a good story about about that um that day in, in Barcelona but um but yeah I, th- I thank him every day that he, he took me to United when I was a young kid because it was a special time to be watching them. Laurie I know some of the lads who your dad went with to matches do, was yeah. he a jibber you need to ask him. <laughs> That's a good question I, I don't <laughs> think my dad had the skills to be a jibber to be honest um yeah no I know some of the lads that he went with and, and certainly they they were uh particularly au fait with the skills required to uh, to perhaps jib or blag I, mean, I spoke to some of the fans in Lintz and, and they were talking about trying to blag their way in so different different verbs but I like how you can be a jibber is you know a, a, that is a, a noun I suppose and, and, and but you can jib as a verb um, but yeah it's, it's got lots of flexibility but no he's uh, without w- wishing to name names he did, he did hang around with some people that could certainly um, you know have, have practice the dark arts of getting into grounds without having to pay any money <laughs> I'm just going to team sheets here it's uh <laughs> no, I'm not even. I can't even do it. I'm just laughing at the concept of being glorious. <laughs> that being a jibber. <laughs> I've got the team sheets right here. Um, so Peter Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Irwin, Stam, Berg, Keane, Johnson, Giggs, Beckham, Cole, and York. 
probably one of the strongest Manchester United. I, I was looking at that one actually, Carl. Yeah, it, it, it's got that's got to be. I don't know what you think, Andy, but that that for me is the is the kind of quintessential treble team. They start in eleven, perhaps maybe with Henningberg and Ronnie Johnson swapping out, but but pretty much that that one to eleven, you'd name it. You know, every day of the week, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I don't know what you think, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. And, and you mentioned Berg. If there's one moment in that treble winning season, yeah. then it would be Berg. Um, at the time, I, I'd probably go for Johnson. I think Ferguson would have done that. But yeah, that that is the team. When they, when those players lined up, you thought anything can happen here. And as the season went on, anything did happen. They just came out of situations that they shouldn't have won that game against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final. And, and to be down in Turin in the semi-final, how on earth did they come back from that? But... They had superpowers and, and they had Roy Keane. And they, they had world-class brilliance throughout that side. And Inter, I looked at the Inter team, they had Diego Simeone playing with them. And uh, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I don't think Manchester United were Simeone's favourite team. And, and when Gary Neville went to Spain to manage Val- <laughs> Valencia, um, Simeone wasn't very friendly with him. And Gary told me this, and I felt like saying, I hope you told him where to go. And he's like, calm down, Andy, calm down. He's just a rival manager. <laughs> have you, have you read? It, uh, <laughs> I think it stemmed from uh, United knocking him out. Well, that's it. Have you, have you read? I was, I was rereading um, Ferguson's Manager My Life uh, when he talks about um, Simeone, um, his great description, it was screaming exhortations at his teammates while directing a few glares towards our lads in, in the in the tunnels before the game in San Siro. So I just love that he was like that as a player. He's clearly still doing that as a manager, obviously, as we saw at Anfield um, last week when, when all seemed different in the world and we were watching it in Austria and thinking, you know, that's, that's quite amusing and, and, you know, full packed crowd and, you know, how quickly things have changed. But uh, yeah, great, great memories of those of that time, certainly. Simeone had to go off injured in that game against Inter Milan. It was an interesting thread, obviously, with David Beckham on the pitch as well, as a sort of follow-up ah, to France yes, 98. good shout. Wow. Good memory. Um, obviously, after that game, Manchester United played a very, very famous home fixture against Everton, which we'll get stuck into in the next edition of Talk of the Devils. Laurie, I also want to talk about a little thing you've been running on Twitter where you've asked listeners to this podcast to tell us what yeah. they want to hear next. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been, been a really good reaction, actually. I, I didn't know I had that many people um, interested. 1,317 votes. So thank you, everyone, to... Um, you know, to, to click on the old poll. It's actually my first poll that I've ever done on Twitter as well. I know that's scandalous to say so, but uh, we asked about if the season was rated, how, how to rate the season if it ended now, 21%. Um, and Bruno Igalo loving 41%, and, and Solskjaer status, um, 38%. So, I mean, I guess in, in light of that, we, we've we've touched upon Bruno already a little bit with Andy sort of talking about um, how Pogba might you know link up with him, but I do think Igalo has really you know seized the mantle uh, as as being a Manchester United player. When some people shrink un- in the shirt, he's you know steps into it and he's got a great backstory, hasn't he, by being a fan um, back in Nigeria and and um, and the way that he's you know his goal in in in, uh, in Austria was you know such high quality, sort of juggling it. And then half volley strike into the into the um, sort of corner of the net with his left foot. Um, so it's a real shame that we won't see that for a little while. I think he's 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 coming and given Mason Greenwood room to develop a little bit away from you know playing matches. He's obviously working with him on the training pitches as well. Um, he's, he's a great guy to to sort of inspire um, other strikers, and it's allowed Anthony Marshall to. Um, sort of also have a bit more space and have a bit of rest and and you know he's, he's shown that physicality that we'd like to see a bit more from Marshall um, as a Galo. So yeah, 
a Bruno Igalo loving. I mean, United were saying, weren't they, before January sort of you know private conversations. It's a difficult month to do business in. You know, we're not sure how how much we'll actually get out of the out of January. But the two signings they've made have both made instant impacts. Obviously, Bruno winning the Player uh, of the Month, uh, and only three other players have, have won that award, Premier League Player of the Month, since Ferguson retired. So it's quite a quite a statement really for for him to do that in his first month in English football. Um, so yeah, there's the loving that you guys uh, asked for. Um, the the other just I did ask for one uh, sort of. A few questions as well um that people uh, what else could be on the agenda and um a couple of people asked sort of what Solskjaer doing behind the scenes um so i had let me just get this up really quickly so i can acknowledge the people that that asked me um so i got dr cass ole uh nice name uh, he asked about Solskjaer and also um aswin uh, at aswin kumar mech so they both asked about what Solskjaer was up to behind the scenes and i suppose just to give a small indication because obviously there's lots going on but one thing that stood out for me in conversation with people recently was that all the coaching staff are are being employed to do individual sessions with with players so that it's not just obviously they've got the group stuff and they work tactically and and they work on the fitness but players are getting pulled aside for sort of extra 20-30 minutes um, you know on their own Um, and and Amanda Matic is is one of those people um, and obviously signed his his contract extension um, well it's been triggered so I think they might even be in in contract talks still to extend that further but he's he's got an extra year for certain Um, he's one of the ones that's been working on getting forward um, more thinking uh, positively and, and feeding the ball into a striker and then running off them and, and we saw that a couple of times at Everton where he got up in, in you know the final third and had a couple of shots that we're looking not to go in so just to give you a little bit of a flavour of what's going on behind closed doors that's that's kind of what I'm hearing Beautiful Andy obviously you run United We Stand the fanzine fanzines at the moment probably already been printed normally sold around football grounds how are they Dealing with the current situation. It's not ideal because we've got a, a garage full of fanzines <laughs> in Manchester, which we printed um, our, our latest issue. We, 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 they're there and we, we, we use social media at the weekend to say, look, we realise we're the smallest of fry, but we can send you a copy out. And I'm glad to say we had a, we had a huge response. We put hundreds of hours of work into United We Stand and, it's a fanzine of the year, you know. We've we've we feel like the efforts have, have vindicated, and when you print it, and we've got to sell them, we've got print bills to sell, to to pay, and we've had a lot of people uh, buying it. We can't just have likes and clicks. We we actually, I can't turn around to my printers and say, look, uh, I can't pay you this month, but I've had a load of retweets and likes. We actually need money in, and and it's been coming in to be fair. So I don't know what happens now because. Uh, I, a lot of our copies are sold at matches. We're not going to have any copies. We're not going to have any matches to sell at. So I, I don't know. I was, I was sort of waiting to see what happens over the next few weeks. But I fear that this is this might last for for a bit longer. So maybe if we can talk about what we've seen, you know, Laurie just infused in then about about Bruno, and I voted in Laurie's poll as well, uh, seventeen times. Thanks, Andy. But he's been brilliant. No problem. Man. He's been Teamwork. him. He's been Teamwork. brilliant, and Igolo has been fantastic. And that goal uh, which he took in Austria last week was probably the best United goal I've I've seen this season. And the backstory, as Laurie says, is great with him being a United fan. And it wasn't easy to get a striker in. Barcelona tried it. Chelsea tried it. And some United fans were mocking the signing of him 
um, a former Watford reject coming in from China. They're not quite so loud now. He's done really well. I just hope that we're going to get to see him again at Football Resumes and that we can go to printing fanzines as well. And the lads who sell them outside the ground, they use their money to watch Manchester United home and away. It's you know the money that we create is it, it's from us. We've got nobody backing us, so uh, these aren't these aren't aren't great times. But clearly, there are far more pressing issues than than a mere football fanzine. However, that said, to any curious Red Devil fans who wanted a copy of United We Stand, how could they get a copy? PayPal us £3.95 if you're in the UK and uh, Anthony Shaw and his wife and dog will put it in an envelope and post it, <laughs> uh, post it out to you. The, the PayPal address is uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk and uh, if you're in Europe, it's four ninety five, and if you're outside of Europe, it's it's a pound extra. It's five ninety five. But ants and sending them all out, it really is a cottage industry, and we didn't expect this to happen because nobody expected this to happen. But we've done the fanzine for over thirty years, and we need support. It, it just doesn't exist if we don't get people buying it, and we've had brilliant support over the years. And we offer stuff that we'd like to think you can't get anywhere else. PayPal, that's the only way. I, I can't say that come and meet us outside the ground because we've got no games to go to. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on this week's edition. An interesting time, but we've had an interesting chat about all things Manchester United, have we not? Laurie, it's been an absolute pleasure every single week. You too, Carl. Andy, thank you so much for teaching me what a gibber is. Cheers, lads. <laughs> Don't forget, listener, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this show and many more and check out our brand new March 1999 feature on The Athletic looking back at what Manchester United were truly the best football team in the world you can sign up right now and get a 40% discount by going to athletic.com forward slash Man United pod listeners thanks again for joining us for another episode of Talk of the Devils it's a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic and we will be back next week so take care <laughs>